0: My Mum Made Me, the show about the wonderful and sometimes the weird ways in which our mums make us who we are today. (laughs) So I'm joined today by Eamon Farron, a wonderful human being who I know through two good Aussie friends of mine who introduced me to Eamon when they lived in London. Eamon has been just a wonderful figure in mine and my partner's life. And I've gotten to know him really, really well, especially over the last two years. Um, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk to Eamon today, because some of the stuff that he shared about the way he grew up, um, his memories, um, and obviously his mom, uh, are just really wonderful uh, and really vulnerable. And Eamon, thank you for joining the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Did you get my mom's um, little voice note? Thing? I did. Right, well, we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Um, so you're doing night shoots?
1: Well, we have been doing, I mean, it's yeah, a night shoot it, for me is um I always I always love the idea of a night shoot because it's that it's the sleepover thing from when you're like young. It's like you get to work from like six PM until six AM yeah. and that sounds really exciting. Yeah. Um, and it is for about the first six hours, but then around the 2 a.m. I just sort of go to water. So You then, crash. And it's always like the fight scene or the big emotional scene at the end of the night when when all the crew's standing around sort of wanting to go home. You want to go home. Yeah, It won't happen. Your body's tired. And then you just feel like, I don't to But cool. it
0: isn't, isn't 2 a.m. when most people get into a fight? Like if you went on a night out and were really pissed...
1: Well, I mean, I've never been in a fight.
0: I, Don't uh, lie. <laughs>
1: I've never started one. I finished them. Um,
0: I guess that's true. I mean,
1: like back in the days on the Gold Coast at the Surface Beer Garden, it sort of turned yeah. into like the start of the night was all joy and stuff. And then one person says something around the 2.55 and then by 2.10 it's yeah. on. It's
0: it's, it's it's literally on. Yeah. It's literally on. <laughs> um, so you grew up yeah, in Australia.
1: I did. I grew up. I was born in North Queensland, and then uh, after my parents' divorce, um, I spent a a bit of time in North Queensland as a kid, but when my parents got divorced, we moved down to the Gold Coast. Uh, And I I did all my schooling and stuff there with mum and my brother.
0: And and for those people that are less familiar about Australian geography... How dare they? uh, Well, exactly. (laughs) Like, if you had to sort of pitch the Gold Coast as like a British regional town...
1: I don't know. I mean, I think the Gold Coast... I haven't been to enough regional towns, I guess, but off the top of my head, I would say that it wants to be a deal, but it really is sort of the Geordie Shore. You know, (laughs) I think there's elements of both. It's a really beautiful, I mean, I love the Gold Coast because it's sort of a mash-up of, like, light and darkness and, like, horror and kind of beauty and all this stuff. Like, there's there's a long history of underworld. There's a long history of, like... Uh, well, like mafia gangster Or well, I mean, you know, the Australian... I mean, like I think the Gold Coast for a long time was known as where people go to sort of retire or do their shady dealings or... I mean, we used to have this... Th- it's a brilliant place where we had th- uh, this thing called a meter maid where the council would employ... I think the council would employ them, I'm pretty sure, but there were these women that walked around beautiful women in like uh, gold bikinis feeding with sashes saying meter maids and they would just walk along the beach feeding everyone's meter just so everyone would stay at the beach and usually I think it was just like uh, a chance for dads to get a photo with these chicks and stuff but it was a real destination and it's a beautiful place but it's also got a mess of stuff as well so I kind of love it. It started off as a real beach town but now it's sort of it's uh, morphed into this hybrid city, but once it's clinging onto its beachside vibe, but it's this hybrid city. So it's thing. like a
0: Newcastle-Essex hybrid, basically. Uh, yeah, basic. yeah, yeah, I haven't been, but I haven't. Okay, uh, yeah. well, we'll have to take you. Ugh, um, it's a threat. So you moved there with your parents, or you moved there after just your parents mom. got it, you're just, yeah. just your mom. And what's tell, What's your mom's name? My mom's name was Roslyn, uh Cecilia O'Brien. Rosalind Cecilia O'Brien, yeah. yeah. and can you paint us like a mental picture of how you remember her sort of like visually like what does she look like
1: i was thinking about this this morning i i think my memory always goes to a very specific time and it's sort of around the mid 90s and she had this uh, big lock of hair curly dark hair with these big brown eyes and a beautiful smile and really beautiful olive skin that would tan in the sun. And I still I have that kind of skin now where as soon as it reminds me a lot of her. As soon as we hit the sun, we sort of we get this this whole olive hue comes over us. And she was she was a really beautiful woman that um that I think her smile was the biggest thing that I remember. But she yeah, she had big eyes, lots of brown locks, and that was sort of her face. It's just sort of like a big
0: You you painted such like a vivid picture. She sounds like she, she seared an impression in kind of like everyone she she met.
1: Oh yeah, of course. I think she, her energy was. I mean, my mum was uh, like all the great people was a mashup of of contradictions and sort of and and brightness and also like an underlying sort of you know bubbling of darkness and stuff. And I think, but she loved to be with people, and I think she loved she loved stories, and she loved laughing, and she loved a party, and she. I think she was happiest when she was. Uh, I remember we used to, her uh, happy place I think when we were younger was always going to one of her friends houses or they would come to our house and all the kids were in the pool. The adults were uh, you know, about 20 meters away just out of earshot or maybe just in earshot. And uh, they would be sitting around with some booze and some lunch and they would just be talking shit and having fun. <laughs> it was a really great way to sort of grow up. But I think that was her happy place to sort of be with her friends and her family. Um, or the selected family that were on the Gold Coast at the was time. Was she
0: the kind of like was she was she the raconteur or was she kind of like the social? She was like the, yeah. She was. Uh, I think
1: she 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 had a bit of raconteur in her, but I think she really she was the provoker. Like she would remind people of stories, and she would ask about. She would provoke people into her favourite stories. Yeah. There were lots of stories that were told over and over again. But uh, yeah, she she didn't. She sometimes
0: led stories, but I think she was she was a really good audience as well. So she so okay, but I'm kind of interested in um the kind of repeated stories. Everyone's parents has that kind of like go-to, oh my god, do you remember when? Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. it like that? It was. I mean, there was no designated
1: stories, but I think it was more about uh I think she she was very, I think she clung on to nostalgia a lot. So it was lots of like stories about the the girl's trip when this happened or you know it was she was a very she was so socially lubricating all the stories and so it wasn't after a specific punchline or anything it was more about now that i think about it it was a great she was a great way of bringing people together around that sort of situation where she would she would encourage the sort of sharing of stories and sort of laughter and stuff and i think that gave her a lot of energy
0: so if you, like I, I'm no, I'm not a huge believer in those sort of like personality tests and types, Mm-mm. but sort of thinking a bit like that, she sounds a little bit like the raconteur and the diplomat. Like, mm. it, was she was she the sort of person that would bring people together and sort of resolve stuff, or was it all about like the crack? Basically,
1: I think it was. a I think a combination. I think she was a classic introvert slash extrovert, and it depended what day you got her on. But I, I definitely think it was about the crack. Uh, I think the crack meant that it was going well. You know, I think uh, (laughs) there was always a survival or or a um, a saving in a story or, you know, like it was, there was in any sort of awkward moment or or tension, she not necessarily wanted to encourage everyone to speak to the issue, but it was more about a a
0: convivial vibe that would sort of sail on through. And you mentioned that um, your mom was both a great sort of, <clears throat> Rack onto a presenter, but also a great audience as well. Mm. Um, what do you mean by that? And and how do you feel like, given what you do and and your sort of um, artistic and kind of creative uh, choices as like a young adult and, mm. and now, like how is she an audience for you as well?
1: I think my mum was a great audience for me in the sense that she put up with me because I think <laughs> uh, I was definitely the. There was a lot of eye rolling in a playful, loving way. There was always an eye roll when I started on my stories, or my dances, or my you know jokes. Or... Were,
0: were you a dramatic childs? I think. I mean, it depends who you
1: talk to. It? A <laughs> trick of memory. I think it. I think it wasn't so much dramatic. It was more. I think a show off got got bandied about. But on the Gold Coast in those days, I think a show off was anyone. And in Australia, sometimes in general, with the tall poppy syndrome sort of vibe, I think a show off was just someone that. Uh, wanted to wants to be seen and heard maybe right. a little bit too much right um so i think she really enjoyed she she really saw my uh my in love of stories and 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 performing but it wasn't an active encouragement of it i think that was sort of like she put up with it a little bit uh she never she was never a stage kind of mum i mean i i remember she enabled me to to follow whatever i wanted to do which is a great gift but it was never uh, a stage mum in the sense of like uh, she had my younger brother to look after. she was a school teacher as well. She had a lot going on, wow. so it wasn't uh, it was something it was a hobby that I did. I think there was an element sometimes of of f- maybe not fear but trepidation in someone that wanted to become an actor because from the very early age, I was very clear about becoming an actor yeah um why I mean I think about it a lot I guess. The easy answer and the pat answer is because I love stories and Mm -hmm. I love people and I love the chaos of people and I love uh, how the mess of sort of living. And I think that is all true. Mm. But I think at that age, it was more about um, maybe finding out who I was in response to the things I was seeing. So I, I loved... Movies and television, uh, and she always told me that one of my favorite films growing up was The Wizard of Oz when I was very young. I used to watch it, and my poor brother probably had to put up with this (laughs) too. He (laughs) demanded to watch The Wizard of Oz over and over again, but every time I would watch it, I would announce that this time I'm going to be watching the very specific track of The Lion or or The Tin Man, and this time I'm going to be watching Toto. Who did you
0: most connect with?
1: I don't think... I don't think I would I think I I think the reason why I wanted to become an actor is because I didn't necessarily connect wholly and fully with one I could see myself and the possibilities and the interest in everyone's yeah, different yeah. sort of vibe so I think it was more a collection of the lives yeah. instead of just one
0: was was part of the um your observations of what you were seeing on the screen and therefore the kind of the choices that you were making as like a teenager and a young mm-hmm. adult was part of that informed do you think by wanting to make your mum proud wanting to sort of grab her attention you know because moms are very busy parents are very busy always of was course. there an element of that i think no i th- i don't think so i th- i don't think it was
1: why well, say that i think it became that, but I think at the beginning it was just something that I wanted to do and it was very clear in me, it was a very strong drive in me. And so at the beginning it was not about making her proud, but by the, by, the once it became something that I was really serious about, i.e. going to drama school and wanting to be a theatre actor and then being in film and television, then it became a drive of wanting to make her proud. But also I think there is always in people, in actors, a lot of actors... Um, a drive to sort of see if they can make it work because Mm. it is a vocation like many that is very hard to sort of sustain and to be successful in whatever that definition of success is. And I think it became about making her proud. And she, she used to play this game of, of, she would never tell me that she's proud of me. Mm. Um, and so I think that in that sense of, you know, like she never saw anything that, um, she, she would stop me and sort of say to me, I'm so proud of you. That wasn't part of our dialogue. But I think it became a drive in me to sort of show her that uh, I had it in me to sort of play many different people as
0: well, I so think. So w- w- when you say she, she would never explicitly say, "Or oh, oh, babe, son, whatever her kind of pet name was for you, yeah. I'm super proud of you. Like, how, how, did she, how did she show that? And how did you receive it?
1: I mean, in all honesty, I think, It was never, I never really confronted that very question until after her death, really. I I think we came to a really wonderful place where, um, I remember, uh, (laughs) she, I have many different stories about when she came and saw me on stage, uh, which she always, and I love this deeply. She always would never want me to feel too big for my boots. And so there was always something that, um, she didn't really believe or she didn't really get or anything like that. And that always kept me, it sort of tickled me a little bit, but it also drove me. But I think for me, the the one moment that was really beautiful was that I did, I did a show in Australia called Colotta and I was up for an award mm-hmm. and she was in hospital at the time. And, um, uh, she said to me, it was going to be broadcast on television. And she asked me when it was. And I told her when it was and the night happened and, uh, I, I I won the award, and the oh next day God. she called me, and 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 I said, "Did you watch, Mum?" And she went, "Yeah, I sat up all night watching that fucking thing, and you weren't even on." So the, the broadcaster <laughs> completely cut out my award. And she said, "So did you win?" And I said, "Yeah, I, I won." And she went, "Oh, thank Christ!" <laughs> <laughs> and then and then one of the most beautiful things she said to me was, after that, she said, "Oh, good. Well, now I can go." And and she died a few days later. And it, but and oh I know that that story sounds very heavy. But for me, I think it was that moment that we were both sort of driving towards because she, uh, she by the end of her life, she was in that stage, yeah. and she, uh, I think for her, that was a, a real, uh, real world sort of acknowledgement wow. of where I was and stuff. So it was really beautiful.
0: That's uh, thank you for sharing that. I mean, it, that is. I'm sort of like lost for words and, and, and can almost sort of, you know, feel it here. Mm. Um, it's such a beautiful story and it's such a beautiful moment and and I guess sort of listening to it. I mean, the thing which uh, I'm sort of, you know, taking away or, or kind of uh, hearing a little bit is, you know, she, you, she, she almost sort of felt like that was maybe her kind of like life's work, like you're it's just an award. But it was the sort of perhaps representation or the culmination of all that she put into you as a human being, as a as you know, as an actor, as as her son, right?
1: I think, yeah, I, yes. I think there's an element of that. I think that she would be uh, very quick to point out that that was not the, her life's work. Um, <laughs> I think, she, I think, I think there are. I think that was within her. There, but I also think there was a sense of relief in the sense of. I, I, I think now a lot about how it must have been for to be living on the Gold Coast, raising two boys as a single parent, one that is very hell-bent on this sort of career and is uh, you know, going to drama school and not make, like had a life in the theatre and not making a lot of money. And I think there was an element more so of, of relief that uh, maybe this is something that could be yeah. sustained and yeah. stuff. I think it's also a world that she didn't really understand a lot. I think it sure. was... Um, she enjoyed it. and there, but there were lots of elements that she couldn't understand, which I think is is uh is a common thing. I mean, it's not a meritocracy, and um it's this luck involved. And uh, I think all those elements made her nervous. But I think there was a great bravery in the way that she lived her life with vulnerability. And I think that the the main thing I take away from her, it when I think about the way she looked at my career for what whatever that was was that I think that she was proud that I lived very vulnerable, mm. vulnerably within that career, mm. I think that she would have appreciated that a lot. And,
0: and it also sounds like from what you were saying, you know, single mother or single parent, mm. you know, raising two kids, raising any number of kids is, is difficult with any number of parents, right? Mm. She in a way lived her vulnerability. And you were talking about living your vulnerability. And, and do you is is that like a sort of a, a connection between you two like I suppose what I'm trying to get at is is how much of how much of her is sort of in in you and, and the man you've become oh so much
1: I mean, I think that that's a real big key of it. I think that she lived ferociously but also it's one thing i I really learned from her I think is that she lived very ferociously, very loyally to her her friends and family and to us but and that and that took a lot of vulnerability mm. and and sometimes that vulnerability got the best of her as it always does with sometimes does with all of us. And I think that she yeah, she taught me to how important it is and hard it is to live life with vulnerability. And mm. I think that I mean I take her with me in every job that I do, but also within my life now it, it, it I was very my career really defined. Uh, my own sense of self for a mm. very long time, especially in my late teens and early 20s. And um, I think I wasn't so much aware of that, the importance of that vulnerability then, but I can definitely see now how, and when I reflect on how she lived, I think that's a, it's a key element in how I connect with people now, with people in my life and with the characters that and I And
0: it sounds like it's made you, obviously... It's sort of hard to talk about this, I'm sure, but like stronger as a person. But you're able to bring so much of that into you as a professional as well. You as uh, you know, a communicator, an actor, a creative.
1: Yeah, sure, I, it, that's definitely true. I think the characters that I connect the most with are or have always been characters that um, are in turmoil or have a breaking point, and uh, and and the nature of. Story is that we see that breaking point, and I think they're the they're the characters that I love to play. And that was definitely my mother. You know, she she definitely had breaking points, and she and she moved through those a lot. And witnessing that at the time as a teenager obviously was um, not the same as I uh, not, it lived, the lived experience of it was different to what I think about it now. But it, it, I think it's one of the strongest things you can mm. do, and especially as a mother, I think there is so much. Uh, there is so much that goes into being present and to being yourself and authentic your your mm. self actualized authentic self as a person in general. But to be a mother and try and instill that in your children, mm. there's no right way to do it. Mm. But I think for my mum, she absolutely gave that to me in just the way that she, for all her her incredible uh, traits and all sometimes her flaws, it was sort of that authenticity of just being herself was kind of the hardest thing to do. I would. I mean, a-
0: absolutely love to meet her from everything that you described. Yeah, she's a how, crack, or ha- she was a crack. How, how do you think she would respond to like your friends now? Or like let's just use me as an example, not to make it about me, it's all about you. But oh, like I think uh, we're here because of <laughs> you. Let's make it about you. Like uh, how would she respond? Like, would she, uh, I'd love to meet her, would she love to meet me? Um Yeah, I think
1: I think that she would get a real kick out of the fact that I have friends from many different corners yeah. of the world now. And I think obviously, I mean, you as a person knowing you uh, I think that you have have such a wonderful way of being with people Thank and you. I think that she uh loved those sort of people. Yeah, I think yeah. that and 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 I think that yeah of course she would get a kick out of all the people that are, have been lucky enough to be in my life. That's sounded really conceited. <laughs> I mean I've been lucky enough <laughs> I, to in my the life. privilege is all yours. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> yeah. That's a wrap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um no she it sounds like she would definitely balk at this question and she you know, if she were here, she'd probably sort of give me a little slap on the wrist, I'm sure. But like she would have, this is a nightmare, she'd never be here. Oh god, she wouldn't, she'd like no, no. she would just be sort of like she'd she'd write you a letter afterwards or write you an email asking about it. But um who who would play her in a biopic? Of your life or hers? Um This is such a question that I always think about because
1: and I know the answer. It's um it's Judy Davis. And she's an actress
0: mm. from Australia. Do you know Judy Davis? Do you know what? I'm going to say yes, but the truth is no. No, well, she's... Look,
1: uh, go Google. She's amazing. She's an incredible actress. She's an Australian actress that um, really, for me, uh, holds the fragility and strength of what it is to be alive and a woman and uh, in the world. And I think that she would be the ultimate person. Because there's a, there's a there's an attack to her. Yeah. There's a great sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I've never met Judy Davis, but in all her character act that I've seen, it's just, there's a force there that can't be reckoned with. Yeah. And I think that's important in someone that will play her.
0: How do you think Judy Davis would react to, like, being asked... Depends what the script's like. Yeah, I get it all starts with so. the script, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it all starts on the page. Fair enough. I'm betraying my ignorance here. Like no, my, I, I think identity. a lot of
1: people would like Judy Davis to play their mum, to be fair. fair yeah. <laughs> do you know
0: what, like, it's, it's really funny, sort of like, if I ask people that question at a party, mm. guess what most people say. Guess who most people say.
1: Oh, no, don't do I don't know. Um, uh, Miriam Margulies. Oh god, that is such a good answer. That's who I would
0: think. Miriam Morgan yeah. would be fantastic. I think she'd actually be great to play my mom. But most people say, "Oh, what, um, oh
1: sorry you meant what they would." Yeah, for yeah, oh, we'll their see. own mom. No,
0: no, no. But like, still, still, still. Like most people say, Meryl Streep, exactly. Meryl Streep, yeah. But you know, Meryl Streep could play Batman and still get away with it, right?
1: Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, watch <laughs> Meryl Streep do anything. There's nothing. I mean, Donald Trump doesn't like Meryl Streep. What did he say? Remember that tweet that he wrote? About, he he tweeted out that she's an overrated actress or oh whatever oh when she Jesus said something Christ. about. It. I mean, it was hilarious. I mean, obviously, everyone would like Meryl Streep to, to play I mean, Meryl Streep could play me and I'd be happy. But I think, um, and this is nothing against Meryl Streep, but there is such a grit yeah. and mess
0: to what Judy Davis does in her work that I really love. And I think that's important. I'm, I'm Googling, I'm YouTubing. I'm going to sort of <laughs> like immerse myself Very because she cool. sounds um, amazing. I want to tell you a bit of a story, um, yeah. which I might have told you before, but I'm going to retell it to you um, uh, anyway, about my mom and sort of my childhood, which is... Full of all all the wonderful kind of like contradictions and and loveliness that I'm sure anyone has in theirs. But, um, you know, I was raised vegan and I was also raised um, Catholic, which sort of was quite interesting for two reasons. One, my dad's Muslim, um, fine, whatever. But two, my mom's like incredibly radical as well. So she would take us to church every Sunday. We went to religious schools and she'd do crazy shit like she would... (laughs) It's so, it's so bizarre thinking about it. She would take, steal in fact, um, like a little sort of hymn book from the church and then gender neutralize all of the terms <laughs> in the hymn book. But that that wasn't actually the worst of it. The worst for me as like a, a sort of young kid was um, coming home from school, being told that I could make my first Holy Communion, which is where you basically get to go and receive the bread and the wine and everything. I thought it mm-hmm. was really exciting. And my mom told me no, which I thought was just, really strange because she was so like devout and the reason she said no was because we were vegetarian or vegan and she truly believed that the bread and the wine was turned into the body and blood of Christ and it would make us cannibals like which is just the most batshit crazy thing you've ever heard but my question there is a question here is put yourself in my shoes like What's your reaction? What's sort of like little Eamon's reaction?
1: Well, little Eamon would be devastated because the ceremony of the thing is the reason why you go, right? Like she's literally telling you, you can't, you know, be in the one good thing. And when they tell you that it's the wine, I mean, (laughs) as a child, it's like, this is free booze that I'm allowed to do in the house of God. Like, I mean, (laughs) so I, I would react like that, but adult Eamon thinks that that is just the most wonderful thing because there's a real line of belief in there. Yeah. You know, like there's no...
0: She was consistent. I
1: mean, well, I mean, if they told... It, I mean, she's really enacting on what they tell you it is. And yeah. so, of course, I mean, it makes sense to me, you know. And why would you let your child be a cannibal? She, she yeah,
0: don't she, and, and, and exactly. I mean, Weekly, by the way. We, <laughs> the, the strange thing is that on the one hand, I can kind of like understand like the sort of warped logic of sure. not wanting me and my sister cannibals. But she was very comfortable to be in a hall (laughs) of hundreds of cannibals every Sunday um, and somehow managed to reconcile that and it it was completely fine, which is...
1: Well, I think that your mother knew what Sartre knew. You know, hell is other people. (laughs) As long as you're on the good path. Incredibly profound. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: It's been so lovely to hear you talk about your mum. I I do sort of want to kind of get a sense of... um, perhaps some of the sort of the, the, in your memory anyway, those kind of like moments of mischief or mm. moments of levity, because mm. you sort of intimated a little bit that she was a mischievous and maybe you were a bit mischievous as well. Like, what are the what are the stories that sort of stick out where um, you've either really pissed her off or, or she's just sort of like being a bit kind of, you know, naughty? Um,
1: uh, you're right, she was mischievous. But I, I remember she was a wonderful, my friends from high school remember my house uh, on the Gold Coast as the house that we were allowed to come and party at. So my mum was very good wow. at, at letting us, my friends all come over and we would put mattresses up the top floor and we would party all night and we would, you know, maybe drink and people would just crash out and all that stuff. She was very good. I mean, my mum liked to drink as well. So, yeah. you know, she it probably, at the start, it was probably an excuse for her to pop down the road to her mate's <laughs> place and have a party as well. But there was one specific night where I, 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 I shudder to think how late it was and how loud it was, but... We were all sort of having our 16-year-old mess of a party. And I was on the back porch, uh, probably smoking, trying to, and, and spraying deodorant on ourselves <sighs> so we, no one could tell that we'd been smoking. Yeah. We were very drunk. And suddenly there was this commotion from inside and all my friends, the, a couple of my friends would come out and be like, I mean, I think your mom is here. And i was like, what are you talking about? And so I walked inside. And my mother, in, I think she'd probably gone to bed probably after a few wines, and she just had enough. And so she walked, had walked up the stairs wearing a white T-shirt and nothing else. And she made her way through the whole party just being like, oh, hi, what's <laughs> your name? This is my house. And there is not a better way to clear the party oh. than your half-naked oh, mother just casually God. walking through the party, just wanting to be involved and... Then also throwing a bit of like, oh, it's very loud up here. (laughs) The party, you know, obviously ended toot sweet, and everyone was done. I mean, it was within fifteen
0: seconds. Don't show them anger. Show them everything else. Show them (laughs) literally everything else. Oh my god! So, like, that is that's such a sick move. Like, we have to coin that has to become a verb. Be careful. (laughs) <laughs> what was it? I don't know what the have verb tr- have is. You, have you tried that?
1: No, I've never. No? I've never, but I'm, I'm keeping it in my back pocket yeah. for if I ever need to just... I've been in a few parties where people have tried that, but I don't think their, their goal was to end the party. I think their goal was to keep the party going.
0: But do you know what, <laughs> what a wonderful way to do it? What a wonderful way not to betray this kind of like um fun uh sort of depiction of her
1: sure but there's also an anarchic element of like i've ha- fucking had enough of this shit <laughs> and this is me and this and this is what you get if you wake up a f- late 40 year old woman you know from her sleep and get the fuck out of my house you know <laughs> uh, that story has survived countless retellings in my friendship group and it, it's a good one
0: i absolutely love that um now my uh, mum as you know sends me a regular voice note mm. uh, it's every friday um and it's usually between 1:30 and 2:30 pm why and i, I do, do you know what i is that lunch break <sighs> she doesn't have like a routine uh. so but i think i think it's just a force of habit like the time but like why does she send it to me like on a friday or mm. or at all um do, I, do you know what? i i will ask her because i genuinely don't know but it is regular like clockwork And it's such a wonderful kind of like affirmation. Um, But recently in particular, she's been sort of um, sending me these. It's almost like she's trying to sort of like mentally manifest like a good like outcome or or kind of life or day even uh, for me. I'm just going to play the most recent one. But I don't know if I've sent it to you before. I'd love to sort of get your kind of like reaction. Um, and, And also, what would you sort of say back to her? Let me just play it again.
1: Hi. How are you today? Hello to Yuzu. Hello to Lemon. Hello to Adam and...
0: Notice that it went Yuzu, <laughs> Lemon, the cat, and then Adam, my fiance. But anyway.
1: For everyone and extra hugs for you. Enjoy your weekend and I will see you tomorrow. Oh, it was so lovely. Okay. I will stop talking. <laughs> Paul, I love you.
0: Thank you for making me laugh. Literally didn't do anything. Like she made herself laugh, but she's credited me, which is which is nice. I love you. You are so special. You are so loved. And you matter. And I know you love me too. Bye. That's just that's just stunning, isn't it? It's so
1: beautiful, isn't it? I mean, I understand the mentalness of it and I appreciate the mentalness of it but I just think it's so incredible to have a mother or a person just be tell you exactly what you are and yeah. see you and tell you that you matter and yeah. even if you know she makes herself laugh but that's an like through you the manifestation of what is you makes her laugh and that is part of her I just think that's the most amazing thing to get. I mean my experience with my mother would be I would never hear that concisely. I mean I think all mothers obviously would want to say that but how special to have someone say that to your face.
0: She would she would absolutely love you and if I told her that I and I will tell her that I'm uh, kind of recording this with you uh. she, you will be added to the list of yuzu lemon. Adam, <laughs> Amen. but what will be interesting is to see which order um, you come in. I think uh, you might actually come first. I'm a guys. competitive person, so I'm gunning for Above <laughs> Lemon, definitely
1: above Adam. For it sure. is, it is,
0: it is nice. It's sort of like a little, um, it's like a little uh, like mood and confidence booster every Friday, every week.
1: But also, uh, yeah, uh, totally. And it, it's so, it, it's so funny in to think about the ways that we express what we feel about people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we we we're, we're very good at telling each other how we feel about each other, but I think for for and your mother has always been ahead of her generation. But it, it, there is definite generational shifts in mm-hmm. how people communicate obviously. That's a that's a thing to, that's an obvious thing to say. But it does remind me I like the ceremony of mm-hmm. the call because it, that ceremony itself means a lot. It reminds me a lot of uh my mother used... To, I was born at one eleven pm yeah. on my birthday. And every year, my mum would call me at one eleven pm and she would sing happy birthday oh. and then immediately demand that I say happy birthday to her because <laughs> she went through all that shit. And so it wasn't just a celebration of me. And this is exactly what you were saying, I think. It's not exactly a celebration of me, but... Well, it was, but w- equal parts, it was a celebration of like, I went through that. <laughs> and
0: so fucking thank
1: me. And this is our moment to celebrate that we
0: made it through the shit together. I, I think it's love wonderful. That. Oh my God. And the fact that you had to say happy birthday back to her. But it's so that special. And may they
1: never stop, you know? Oh
0: God. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I like it. It, it'll, it, it will continue to be um, absolutely amazing. Um, final question for me, Eamon, before we wrap up. Mm. Um, I would love to, um, i I'd, I'd sort of love to know, um, if it's not too personal a question, like if, if your mum knew you were doing this, like what would be her kind of reaction? Because in, in some respects, what I've heard you say is, is a little bit like a, a love letter to this wonderful, brave, vulnerable, very strong, very kind of like uh, meaningful woman clearly um, in your life and I suspect most people would sort of just like be shrouded in in kind of like adulation and love because of that. um it's just been wonderful to hear you talk about your mum. What would she kind of like feel hearing you talk like that?
1: I think that she would balk at it. I think that she would not enjoy it. I mean outwardly not enjoy it. but of course, the thing one thing I learned from my mother is the importance of memory and the documentation of your life. Because I, after she died, I went to she to her house to, you know, sort out all her stuff. And she did this both for my younger brother and me. But she, I found this uh, book that we were sort of aware of throughout our lives, but we sort of, you know, we didn't give a shit about it. But there was this book that she'd made called Amen. and it was this uh, huge sort of 200-page thing, and it went through from pre-pregnancy and she wrote in it every couple of weeks right up until i was about 16. oh my god and it is such i mean you know she, she she included the mundane the mental the fights the the trauma that she included a lot of that sort of stuff but and it, and it pe- petered off towards the end because you know like yeah. i became a teenager and yeah. she just you know yeah, thought yeah. you'll be fine but it's an amazing thing to have now. And it's one of the only things that I have that when I have those questions about, I found out things like that she was, you know, from the age of two, I was allergic to dairy. And then I sort of read that and go, oh, that's right. I'm allergic to dairy and I still haven't given up. But that's right. It's been like a constant thing. So I think that kind of commitment that she had to, and foresight, I think, that she had to sort of give that to me, that gift of, telling me what life was like before I probably had a memory of it is a very important thing and something Amazing. that I take through. That the, And so to to answer your question, I think this kind of thing, this what you're doing here with the podcast, I think it's just another way of recording orally uh, our stories and who we are and who she was and who we are. And I think that that was really important to her. So
0: I think that ultimately she'd be chuffed with that. Oh, Eamon, you've been an absolute star. And thank you so much it's my for pleasure. sharing all of those wonderful memories.
1: This is a wonderful thing to do. Thank you for having me.